Welcome back to Your Other Mother, stories of early queer family making. In this episode, I talk to the incredible Jane, not her real name, who worked as a sperm broker for gay women trying to have biological children in the 1980s and 1990s in the Seattle area. Her story is incredibly fascinating and such an important piece of queer history. It was so amazing to get to know Jane through interviewing her, and I am so grateful that she and I are connected now. Jane and I talk both about her history with helping gay women make their own families in a time when it was really difficult to do so, her own experiences as a lesbian parent raising her two sons, and her reflections on her work a few decades on. I sure hope you enjoy this conversation. Jane wished to clarify something about the use of the language in this episode. She feels strongly about the use of the term lesbian to describe women who love women, rather than other more contemporary terms such as queer or gay, which may be terms that include lesbians, but do not necessarily reflect or capture the complexities and nuances of the term lesbian, which has a specific historical, cultural, social, and political meaning. While I, as the creator of this project, use the terms gay and queer to describe families of all different LGBTQIA orientations and combinations, I also use those terms to describe relationships between two women, where others might use the term lesbian. So if you could tell me, however you, wherever you want to start, um, what your role or history is with um, helping, you know, LGBTQIA plus families and couples make their own families, um, what your history with that is. Um, I think it kind of started just with, I knew that I wanted to have kids. And um, so, you know, I informed my partner at the time that she could participate or not, but this is what I was doing. And so about five years later, that's what we did. Um, And I ended up coming in contact at a 4th of July party with a woman who had a five-month-old baby. And so as we began talking about it, she said that she had gone to the Feminist Women's Health Center, which was up kind of near the zoo, And uh, there was a woman there who had a person who was willing to be a donor. And so she got inseminated there and got pregnant right away. So I asked if um, she would put me in touch with the same woman. So she did. And I inseminated about four days later. And didn't get pregnant, but the next month, uh, I had seven days again. My son was uh, conceived on uh, August 9th. How many people can actually say that? Not many. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, so my relationship with with this other woman um, kind of continued and um, we became very good friends. When I was about eight months pregnant, she was at my house and um, we were talking about the descriptions of our donors only to find out that we had the same donor. So 
all of a sudden, the little girl, I just started really studying her for <laughs> just, um, yeah, looking for what, what do I think my son is going to look mm-hmm. like? And anyway, so our relationship just kind of blossomed from there. And, you know, the kids grew up together. So right after I did that, um, I was talking to some uh, gay friends of mine, men, and they said, oh, they'd be willing to be donors. So, you know, I had four men who were willing to be donors and and so this woman at the Feminist Women's Health Center said that she knew of a couple of people who wanted, um, anyway, she, she hooked me up with these people. And it just kind of was word of mouth. Mm-hmm. So meanwhile, I was um, working with the Lesbian Mothers National Defense Fund here in Seattle. It's now defunct but and you know four days a week when I was working with it excuse me when I was working with them um I was talking with women across the country who were losing custody of their children because they were gay so I did not I mean, I was clear for myself from the very beginning that I wanted an anonymous donor. Mm. And I was only willing to do it um, under those same circumstances. So if a woman wanted an anonymous donor, I would help her with it. But if she wanted to know who the donor was, then I would tell her she was going to have to find (laughs) she's going to find somebody else Mm -hmm. and I just I don't know I just didn't want that complication Mm -hmm. so um so during that time I ended up doing workshops artificial insemination workshops through the lesbian resource center because it seemed at that point like people were coming out of the woodwork wanting to conceive. And so I did many workshops and, you know, it's hard for me to know how many of those people actually went ahead and got pregnant sort of on their own. Mm -hmm. But I did that. So I did inseminations for about, I don't know, maybe, maybe five or six years and you know with obviously not the original four donors mm-hmm. but with a variety of people so um I never inseminated I if if a woman became pregnant I never used that person's donor or I've never used the um, sperm donor sperm mm-hmm. uh, for a maximum of two pregnancies. Mm-hmm. And the only one other than that was just a woman who had twins and then a woman who wanted to get pregnant again. So he did and, that. And well. what was your reasoning for that? Um, I don't know. It, I, I'm not really sure that 
I think it was sort of thinking about, uh, you know, that movie about people meeting their donors and or meeting their siblings and falling in love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, I don't know, at this point, I probably wouldn't have been so concerned about mm-hmm. it. But at the, at the time, it just seemed like, you know, I mean, really, it was all just, you know, walking blind. Mm-hmm. I, I just ended up in situations and then I just responded to them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, actually, over the years, I've had some um, interesting conversations, you being one of them, where people have come up to me and said, oh, um, uh, yeah, my mom said that you were the one who found the donor, or I was at a function a few days ago, and this woman comes up to me and she said, I don't know if you remember me, but um, uh, I picked up sperm from you one time. Oh, my gosh. Sister, and um, my sister now has a 35-year-old son. So, you know, I have no idea, really. If, If I were to count them, then I would say maybe between 16 and 20 are people that I at one point knew the identity of their donors, mm. but I have a terrible memory and it was anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> it shall all forever remain anonymous. Yeah. When you think back on having helped those folks, I guess, how do you think of it? Like, do you think of it kind of as, Oh, well, yeah, I did that. Or is it more, you know, do you have a fondness for it? I just, I'd love to know. Yeah, like when you think about it, how does it make you feel? Um, I'm glad that I did it. It really wasn't anything that I planned to do. It just sort of snowballed. I never really gave it very much thought Mm -hmm. until um, we were talking in a group about lesbian activism. And I said, you know, I can't think of anything I've ever done that, you know, aside from going to, you know, the gay pride parade, which, you know, back in the eighties, that was, people were still wearing bags over their heads. Mm. Um, So I was like, I don't really feel like I've done much. And one of the women looks at me and she said, are you serious? (laughs) That is activism. And it's like, I never really thought of it that mm-hmm. way. I just, I just did it because I could. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like being a parent and being gay fits together or fit together for you when you, when you decided you wanted to be a parent? You mean like, how did I imagine that even happening kind of I'm thinking you know I was interviewing my godparents who are two gay women and they said you know when they were younger and realized they're about your age late 60s and they said when they were young they thought well I know I'm gay and you have to have a man and and to have a baby so I'm just curious if you ever felt if if those feelings ever came up about you know feeling like oh it's not going to be possible to be a parent because I'm a lesbian 
if 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 that's if that feels relevant. No, actually, to be quite honest with you, I just figured I would walk into a bar, find some guy that was good looking, I guess, or whatever, and then, um, you know, give him a fake name and <laughs> go to his house. <laughs> I mean, I don't know it. That part of it didn't really. Um, uh, you know, I wasn't really interested in sex with men, mm -hmm. but if having sex with a man once was going to, or twice or three times was going to get me pregnant, mm -hmm. then so be it. So be it. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. So, so, you know, when I met, it was like, oh, wow. Okay. This I can really do. This I can easily do. I love that. Thanks for sharing. Um, so I guess to change topics a little bit, thinking about, you know, you, when we spoke last time, you talked to, we talked a lot about your family and your kids and how you, and how they grew up, but I can't recall, did, I'd love to know when you were raising your kids, how did you talk to them about their kind of origin story? Was that something you were, you know, from, from birth they knew about, or I'd love to know more about that. Yeah, it was something like from birth they knew about it. It was not, it it was a topic that got talked about, I don't know, a fair amount. I think it was probably like a person who is adopted and just sort of all grows up knowing that they were. And so, I mean, I don't. I don't ever remember having a conversation with them about it. Mm -hmm. So when when my older son wanted to know how um, um, how does a woman get pregnant, um, you know, I told him that you know, kind of, you need a sperm and an egg and whatever, and, and so I told him what what I did. Mm -hmm. And he told me years ago that, or years later, that it was a really easy conversation for him to have with me. And he was so glad that that was a conversation where we could leave the sex out of it. And that part of it would come up later. Mm -hmm. um, it was just more sterile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was really at that point ready to literally talk about like yeah. how pregnant <laughs> it, it was only what maybe six mm -hmm. or whatever um so now that your kids are adults how do you do you, do you feel like anything has changed over time with how they kind of relate to having grown up with same same gender parents I know your you know partner's gender identity is a whole the you know, complex situation, <laughs> but um, not complex. They're on their gender journey. But right. I, I'd love to know, you know, did I, I, you know, I guess I think about for me, I didn't grow up, even though I grew up in the Seattle area, I didn't grow up around a lot of, um, you know, kids who also had two moms, like we talked about. And I'd love to know, you know, is that a, as far as you know, and it's probably a better question for me to just ask your kids, but does having grown up with two moms at the time for them, is that a big part of their identity or was it kind of no big deal? 
I don't, it was really no big deal. I um, started a couple of um, uh, lesbian mom support groups for different eight the first ones and then five years later you know another group of people and you know as it turned out people that I met doing that they had a number of friends who also had two moms and I was active in the um uh, lesbian resource center and their other mom was really um uh very sports minded and was on um you know softball teams mm-hmm. and that. so they were around gay people all the time mm-hmm. other children other um other lesbian families so i don't think that they really thought anything was different about it they went to an alternative school and there were several uh, gay and lesbian families there. It really was not until they got into middle school mm-hmm. when they when they left sort of that that uh, um, the nest of elementary and went into middle school. Mm-hmm. I think that that's when it really um, I'm not really sure. Well, it probably was, yeah, it was a problem for them in middle school. And, you know, they dealt with it in in different ways. But uh, really, up until about age 11 or 12, it was, it just wasn't really an issue. Mm -hmm. And how did they respond when it did start becoming an issue in middle school? Well, um, my younger son was it, it really he wasn't being teased or anything but um there was another young boy who was very much in love with him mm. I, it was he was too young like he didn't he knew that he liked boys mm-hmm. but you know it's like so what is this you know he wasn't wanting to date or Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you know and the other kid feelings got hurt and then Mm -hmm. it'd be whole thing at their school and um so you know counselors got involved and it it eventually I would say it probably took about four or five months but um it eventually ironed out and really in uh, the rest of middle school, he he didn't have much problem with it. It was also a very small middle school mm-hmm. that he went, and also an alternative middle school, but different people than he went to elementary with. Gotcha. Um, my older son, um, he he had both more problems and fewer problems Mm. with when he went into middle school a lot of his friends went into the same middle school with him and they really stuck up for him and kind of smoothed the way for him when he went to high school it was very different he was not 
you know, he wasn't, most of the friends that he had gone to school with before were not in his high school. So he came home to me one day and he goes, all right, I just, I hope you don't have hurt feelings, but I told um, some guys at school that I didn't know who my father was because uh, as soon as he found out you were pregnant, he left mm -hmm. and neither one of us have seen him since. And I'm like, dude, whatever you need to do yeah. to get it's fine. And uh, so, you know, I think that because he hangs around um, sort of more like uh, manly men, mm -hmm. that he's had to do a lot of um, uh, in a sense covering up mm. and you know, kind of talking around issues and has been in a lot of conflict, internal conflict. Mm -hmm. People have made homophobic remarks and he knows what he wants to say, but oftentimes is not sure if he feels safe enough to. Mm. How does that make you feel? Um... Well, it makes me feel like we all have things we have to deal with in life, and that's one of the things he has to deal with. Mm -hmm. I, I don't feel guilty about it. I mean, yeah, we all have stuff we have to work through. Mm -hmm. If anything, it's funny. That's that's actually, I, I, I didn't first think of the guilt piece. I was thinking of maybe a sense of pride of like he stands up for his game, you know, like a... I mean, yeah, I think it's a complex issue, right? I, I, the reason I ask is because, um, very recently, you know, when I, even when I was an adult, you know, I, I made some passing comment about, you know, oh, like that was tough when so-and-so said some homophobic thing, you know, when I was 12 or whatever. And my mom, one of my moms was like, I hope it wasn't too hard for you growing up or like something like that. And I was like, yeah, of course it was freaking hard, you know, like no one had lesbian moms in the town we lived in. So, but it was just kind of funny, you know, I, it's no, I would never hold it against my moms. Right. Like I'm so glad they're my moms. Um, but I, but I, the reason I ask is because I wonder, you know, now that I'm a, an adult, I do think like, huh, how does it make my parents feel when they hear me talk about the challenges of being the child of gay people? Right. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's interesting. I feel like maybe your son and your older son and I have had sort of parallel experiences. Obviously I'm not in some hype, you know, I'm not in like an environment where I'm surrounded by all men, but I, uh, that, that sense of feeling like you have to hide or I forget what word yeah. you just used, but oh yeah, like keep things close to the chest. I relate to that so much. He's gotten a lot better about it um, as an adult out of school. Mm -hmm. He has more, um, uh, he has more control over his life. Of course, so. yeah. And so, anyway, so he kind of handles it that way. Mm -hmm. And people that he knows in his life really well, he, you know, he's completely open with. Of course, yeah. But just it's just sort of those random people yeah. in his life. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I still encounter this, you know, in my 30s. That's just part of his 
personality. Mm -hmm. Like he's able to do that Mm -hmm. on lots of topics. Mm -hmm. He's able to kind of um, negotiate different kinds of people politically, um, socially. He's, he, he has really taught me a lot about learning to, um, how to speak to, to the other side. I love that. He sounds like a really cool guy. <laughs> I hope I can meet him someday. I think he is a cool guy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you're biased though. I am biased. <laughs> okay, well, I want to circle back to, in thinking about, you know, you're raising your kids. I want to circle back to when they were a lot younger, you know, when you had first made your family. And from from what I remember, what were our first conversation and what you mentioned a bit today too, um, you know, you it sounds like you had a pretty robust community of other lesbians or uh, you know other like other other people making their families right. When your kids were little, did you find that you kind of that that was your community and you gravitated toward them, or did you you know were you also friends with like your kids' parents who were straight at school? Or I'd I'd love to just kind of I'm in my mind I'm imagining this like amazing like coven of lesbian raising their kids together and I'm like that's the dream um so I, I'd love to know what that looked like and you know or, or was it kind of just a mixed well, bag I wouldn't I wouldn't call it a coven in the best <laughs> word in the best I, way oh, <laughs> that's that's a compliment let's just say that in my spiritual tradition a coven would be very welcome but um it wasn't quite that insulated. Got it. Okay. <laughs> I, would, I would say that in their early years, um, the people who were, who had become really good friends were people who also had children. Mm-hmm. I would say that when my older son was born, I was friends with a lot of mothers, most of whom were straight. Mm-hmm. But then as my involvement in the lesbian community became a little bit more entrenched, if you will, then uh, more and more my relationships were with these other women. Mm -hmm. And therefore, their relationships tended to be with their children. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both of them had friends in the neighborhood who all had straight parents. And, um, you know, everyone was fine except for one family who um, the father was, well, he was kind of an ass, not just because of that. He just was. (laughs) And he was quite, um, he never came right out Mm. and said, anything to our faces but the way he was the way he behaved um certainly was clear so his son and uh, my older son were good friends and played in the neighborhood a lot but um I don't know, once once they got older, once they got into like maybe fourth grade or so, uh, my older son just sort of lost interest mm-hmm. in him. But they were pretty much surrounded by other um, children being raised in uh, all women household. Somewhat relatedly, um, were there any, I'm just thinking of, you know, being in the community and, you know, 
navigating those relationships with other parents. I'm thinking too, were there ever any like legal obstacles you came up against being, you know, you and your, your co-parent both being women were there, you know, I, and I'm not sure I forget if we talked last time about like, did one of you have to adopt? Like how, I guess I'm, I'm curious about the legal arrangement you had, if you want to share and whether there were any, I guess, legal barriers or obstacles or hoops you had to jump through when your kids were young. Well, um, first of all, adoption was not really an option, the, you know, at first anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think by the time it got to be an option, we had just kind of worked it out. We never did um, adopt each other's kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, so um, my younger son was um, uh, my ex-partner's biological child. That's right. So um, I think that we did not because we weren't... Um, we just didn't offer any information that wasn't specifically asked for. Mm-hmm. So when um, when my younger son was born, uh, I just added him to my insurance. And nobody asked for a birth certificate. Oh. Nobody, you know, so he just was always covered on my insurance. Now, if I had said, well, He's not actually my biological son, yada, yada, yada. The answer would have been no. And so I didn't lie, but I didn't offer any information and no one ever asked, you know, and that he had a different last name was no big deal. It excuse me. It was, I mean, lots of kids don't have the last name of their mothers. That's amazing. That's so, I I mean, I'm not surprised because I feel like I've heard so many stories of folks just having to like, not bend the rules even, but just get creative (laughs) because the system is set up so rigidly, right? To, to cater to straight people. So I'm glad to hear that you were able to just (laughs) seamlessly get right in there and just did it. Say a word. Yep, I love that. Other just to say, you know, you can always apologize later, but don't ask permission. Very good advice. They know. Excellent advice. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of striking when you think about it now in comparison to. I mean, not saying things are you know hunky dory with queer and trans people's ability to form families, but it is so. I think people navigating this now, you know, like gay couples trying to have children now it would perhaps be unfathomable the degree of you know just how far people had to operate outside the system you know Mm -hmm. not not even what I mean I guess 30 to 40 years ago so yeah yeah it's kind of incredible so all you have to do is not that that was my advice to people just don't say anything just do whatever you're gonna do and Mm -hmm. Just say, yep, this is my kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so something we talked about when we spoke in person was, I think I asked you something along the lines of, you know, were you ever scared of the legal consequences with, you know, the insemination work or helping people mm-hmm. create their families by connecting the donors? And I think you, and I, I don't want to misquote you, but I think you said something along the lines of like, if you knew what you knew now, you may not have done it. Or like, you know, if that were, if the situation were today, 
you would know perhaps it was it'd be a greater risk than the than than the benefit. I definitely would have gotten legal advice. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you know, just just working with my assumptions that you know, if it was um, if it was anonymous and there was no money exchanged, that. Um, I, I did have a sense that if money was exchanged, then it would become a different kind right. of an issue. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want any money exchanged and I didn't want to keep any records. Um, and, you know, in the midst of all of this, I had a stroke. And in fact, I really did forget <laughs> who these people were. Some of it's come back, but not all of it. Mm. So I, I think that I just operated out of ignorance mm -hmm. and I didn't even know that I was operating out of ignorance. Mm -hmm. Yep. I, I mean, that makes sense. Do you have any, anything you want to share or just, you know, general thoughts about what comes to mind when, when you think about this or, you know, from our previous conversation? You know, I think really that, that, one of the things that I learned from doing this was um, kind of this adventuresome thing where uh, I've just been willing to do things that I wasn't really sure what the outcome was going to be. Mm -hmm. um, nothing quite like this in terms of... Uh, um, things that would involve other people, but I don't know, just, just experiences that I think have just made me a little bit more, um, I don't know if it's more interesting to other people, but it's certainly more interesting to myself. Totally makes sense. I love that. I like the word adventuresome. That's really, I feel like that is actually really emblematic of when I think about this time, right? Obviously I wasn't present till I, till I wasn't part of it. <laughs> um, but I, I love that as a kind of example or like an exemplary word to, to think about that time when people just had to get creative and really, yeah, be adventuresome and what they're willing to try to make families that they wanted to have, you know, mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. Cool. How do your parents feel about this? That's such a good question. Um, I think they, so when I first shared it, my mom, my one, one of my moms was like, you, she's like, you shouldn't put that off. You should do that. You should do it now. And so I thought that was really, I was really happy because I thought, oh, I love that, that she's supportive of this. Um, I do, they're totally supportive and they've been actually like telling their friends about it. And, you know, they're really eager to listen to everything. Um, cause it's not just about, you know, me and my mom's experiences. I've, you know, I interview other folks who grew up with two moms and, you know, talk to mm -hmm. people like you and talk to attorneys and other folks. Um, but I just this week when I was doing some work on it, I was thinking, oh God, I hope they're not, you know, hurt or yeah. I just like, I hope they can receive it with the, with my intent being good. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Cause yeah, I do. I do. Like we talked about a little bit ago. Sometimes I wonder like, if hearing me talk about like, for example, with one of my good friends who I interviewed who grew up with two moms, we talk really frankly about like the challenges of growing up with two moms and feeling just like feeling different, right. Feeling like we didn't fit in. 
and it being hard. And even as a child, you know, being really, really aware of homophobia toward our families. And I wonder if my moms will feel sad when they hear that, you know, I have no idea. You know, like I said before, we all have challenges Mm -hmm. that we have to face. You face challenges when you were a child Mm -hmm. and they will face challenges knowing that there were parts of that were that were hard for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, when my older son and I have talked about it, he's pretty frank about how difficult mm-hmm. it has been for him in different times of his life. Yeah. And um, I feel badly that that has been his experience, but not badly enough that I wouldn't have had him. Yeah. <laughs> And he did say one thing not too long ago that, um, that I don't know, kind of warmed my heart. He said, you know, all of my life, all of my life, I have known people in their family situations. And some of them have had really horrible family situations. And after talking to all of the people that are thinking about all of the people I've talked to, I realized that I was so lucky Mm. to have you as, as my mother, because no matter what happened, you were always there. Mm -hmm. And he said, I've just talked to people who, they hate their parents. Mm. So I was like, oh, okay. So I didn't completely mess up. Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. That's that's pretty nice to hear. I mean, that must feel good to hear. Yeah. But I don't know. what. Um, I just kind of figured that my parents messed me up the way they were messing mm-hmm mess me up and I get to mess up my kids the way I want to mess them up. That's your right as an American. And then they will do the same thing with their kids. (laughs) Again, so many enormous thanks to Jane for her candor, humor, and generosity in having this conversation. I'm hugely honored that she took the time to speak with me. Until next time.